Okay, so now we just need an intro. Uh, something like... Friendly sparring with Leo and Joe's. Friendly sparring. The friendliest sparring with Leo and Joe's. Friendly sparring. That's it. Ah, all right, cool. Let's start the show. Yep. Welcome. To the Friendly Sparring Podcast, the podcast that is normally hosted by two dudes is currently just being hosted by one dude, because one of the dudes is on a very long vacation called Leo got a job working on a cruise for six months or longer. Still not sure. Anyway, hi, I'm Juice, and normally when um, I don't have Leo, I'll do a throwback fighting with myself episode but i guess i can be sparring with myself in a friendly way i don't know i just didn't want to change didn't want to change it up i still i still wanted this to be an fsp because full disclosure i have not listened to the bon voyage episode our last episode with just him and devil couldn't do it it's too uh i was a little too too emotional about it because the reason why the, there's been such a long gap in this recording other than the fact that Leo's schedule was crazy in his last uh, days before having to leave. Your boy, being me, been very depressed. Been very depressed. And I have, in the past, used this podcast as a form of like therapy, kind of get some thoughts out, pull myself out of the hole. But I just, I had so much going on and I just couldn't do it. So I now am sort of in a in a pretty good place. I do want to say off the top, um, and this is meant to stay on the podcast. Don't want to talk about it on the timeline. Uh, you know what? I can't even say. If you want to know what I... I'm going through some changes in my life. Let's just say that. And if you're curious to know, DM me. And I will happily tell them to you. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to try and make this as normal as an episode as possible. I um, got caught up on the last fight card of the year. Not bad, I got to say. You know, there was some duds, as as always. But there were some, there were some good fights there, too. You know, there was certainly some some fights that were worthwhile. I mean, the, the free cards always get me because I hate streaming and I hate buying the pay-per-view. So I'm really grateful for these, uh, for these fight night cards that we get, even if they're in the goddamn apex. Ugh. I will say for the patrons, the $5 patrons that uh, get to see video, I look a hot mess right now. And it's kind of like, like I was looking at myself in the mirror before we started recording. It doesn't show up that well on camera, but I was like, I'm a hot mess. Like I do, I'd like, like some, some women, and I don't know why they'll see a guy looking like an absolute bum and be like, damn, I want to fuck that bum. And I was looking at myself in the mirror, like, am I that bum? <laughs> oh, so stupid, dude. Um, Without further ado, I'm going to actually, you know what, just because it's just me, I'm pretty much going to have at least something to say about 
every one of these fights. We're talking about the Strickland Cannoneer fight card, ladies and gentlemen. Um, starting off with that uh, Sergey Morozov versus Journey Newsom fight. When a when a fight in the lower weight classes goes to a decision, I got to be honest. Like, I'm always like, ah, you could have got a finish, just because I feel like the high pace it can lead to a finish, but they they didn't pull it off. And and I liked it. It, it was a good fight, but I I found myself feeling like it was not that memorable. Um, you know, maybe that's also because I wanted Journey Newsom to win, and he did not. <laughs> I will say I love the hell out of the Manel cop fight. Holy shit, dude. And that was one of those things I, I was talking to this uh, about. I was talking, talking about this with Shane Tara on the night because there, I didn't watch these fights live because I, the friend of a uh, friend of mine was having their birthday party and uh, their birthday is actually tomorrow, but uh, their birthday is Christmas Eve. And I feel like if your birthday is is Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, it's a blessing and a curse because it's fucking cool. But at the same time, like friends are going to be with their family and not going to like want to come to your birthday party. So she had to do like an early birthday party, which is fine. You know, um, her 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 theme for her birthday. A friend of mine is a woman. And she was like, everyone has to dress up as me. That's the theme. It's all about me. And I'm like, okay. And originally I was thinking like, so like last year, um, actually it must've been around her birthday. I can't remember when the no way home came out, but we went and saw Spider-Man no way home in theaters. And her and I decided to wear the same ugly Christmas sweater. Why? I, like, Well, I shouldn't say why there, there literally was no reason it was, a, it was an accident. I didn't know she also owned it. I was wearing it. I was like, this is great. It's got a nutcracker on it. It says, let's get cracking. Shows up. I show up and she's wearing the same sweater. I'm like, Jesus, love this. So I thought I was going to wear that sweater, but I couldn't fucking find it because my house is a, it's a joke. I really don't have any free space in it. Uh, and so I tried to buy a new one, but it only came in green. The shirt was red. The sweater, I mean, should should have mentioned that. I didn't feel like the same one. I was like, okay, well, this will be like whatever. And then I remembered, I think I told us on the podcast. I definitely talked about what happened. I don't know if I said like this part. So you guys may remember I, I talked about it on the podcast where Halloween weekend, I uh, was supposed to go to a party and your boy had an edible that rocked his whole shit. I got a panic attack, ended up in the ER. What I was supposed to go out to this party as, I was supposed to wear a dress, a black dress. I wanted to kind of dress and drag a little bit. And uh, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Um, so I, I've, I've been sitting on that dress and I thought, well, that's not exactly the kind of dress she'd wear. But if I go in the dress people will get like what i'm trying to go for obviously like it and she ended up like i showed up at the party she's wearing like this pink dress um so it's like not exactly the vibe but still a dress anyway i'm rambling oh manel cop so i'm getting ready for this party and uh i actually got home i want to say 
right at the start of the Manel cop fight. Yeah, I turned it on. I literally queued up the ESPN Plus, and I hear, I think it was no nonsense, Keith Peterson or whoever was the rep being like, Fight, are you ready? Fight, are you ready? That's my Keith Peterson voice. If it's Keith Peterson, not what the ref sounded like, unless I'm right and it was Keith Peterson. Um, and I'm like, oh shit, I wanted to see this. Fuck. But I had to get ready. I was time sensitive. I had to get ready. I had to take a shower. But my TV in the living room is right near the bathroom where I shower. And so I, I could hear the commentary the whole time. And they're, they're going crazy about this Kimura and Dean Thomas is babbling about developing your guard in MMA or whatever the fuck Dean Thomas says. Um, and I was just like, oh, I want to be watching this. And so I, I had to rewatch it. I was like, I missed the first fight, so I had to watch the whole thing. Um, and um, the, Man- the Manel Cop fight was a fucking banger. I mean, he's had some finishes in the UFC, so it's it feels weird to say like this is his best performance. But he looked he looked incredible. I mean, the fact that David Dvorak that's his name, right? David Dvorak, yeah, yeah, David Dvorak. The fact that David Dvorak did not tap to that Kimura, I mean, he did benefit from it being so close to the end of the round. But like, holy shit, he needs to have that arm looked at if not already. And I loved the post fight interview. I also love that they were like, yeah, Manel hasn't been fighting. He's been working on his brand. Like he has a clothing brand in japan and they start talking about these like businesses and side hustles he has i'm like what the fuck is this guy the most interesting man in the ufc like jesus but i loved it It it's awesome it was fucking awesome and i'm glad i didn't watch this one live too uh brian battle versus fakradinov what is the guy's name renat renat fakradinov like if I was fighting that guy, I'd be like, this fucker Dinov. Um I, I say I was I'm glad I wasn't watching it live because I am a fan of Brian Battle. I mean, who names herself Pooh Bear? It's just fuck I'd like I love his vibe. Uh and like hearing about him getting mauled was easier than watching it. So by the time I watched the fight, I was prepared for the mauling. And so anytime Brian Battle had like a little bit of success, it was like, oh, good for him. <laughs> you know, kind of what we do as fans, we make that agreement. But that guy, fucking Renat Fakhardinov, is a problem for that division. And I hate saying that because <laughs> I remember Kamaru Usman saying it on his way up to the title. And I... Oh, I hated him so much. After just fucking like wrestle fucking some guy for 15 minutes being like, I'm a problem in this division. No one wants this fight because I'm a problem. Like he just said it like five times in this post interview. I was like, shut up, dude. But yeah, Renat Fakhardinov is a fucking problem. The matchmakers are going to have a problem fucking finding him fights. I'll tell you that much. Oh, the Huffa, the... It's Rafa, actually. He's not he's not Brazilian. It's Rafa. Rafa Garcia. Rafa Garcia versus Mahashate. Reminds me of Marishka Hargate, but it's definitely not. Mahashate, that's what they call it. Mahashate. Mahashate. The 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 Chinese gentleman. Bro. That fight was insane. 
I, and and I'm really glad that they did give Rafa the 3027. I think it was because I I saw him doing work, and when the commentary was like, "Oh yeah, sometimes they give the the rounds to the guy who caused the cut, even if it's not that bad, and the guy's losing or whatever." Like whatever they said, I was like, "Fuck, I hope they don't screw Rafa out of this one." But dude, he 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 beat the fuck out of Machate. And uh, it was kind of funny them trying to like squash the beef after, or or well, it was kind of funny them still keeping it going where they're like still yelling at each other or whatever. And they're like, "Oh no, it's still going. It's they're they're still trying to beef." And then as the judges read the decision and Mashad is leaving, then Rafa's like, "No, come on, <laughs> awkward as fuck." I feel like sometimes fighters are painfully unaware that they're on camera sometimes, and like the best thing about being a fighter usually is like they, they don't give a fuck because like they're already like half naked bleeding in front of like you know thousands and you know millions of people on on like streaming and like however many in, in person so like you kind of just like lose all shame and like you kind of give a fuck goes out the window but i just wish they were more aware of like space when it comes to the camera it, it, especially when and this didn't happen in this fight i'm going a little tangent here but like you know, I, I feel like this happened in the Clay Guida fight recently when he beat Scott Holzman, and this happens a lot too, where the and I feel like they just maybe don't watch fights. Maybe maybe fighters don't like to watch the UFC, but they'll get a either the a finish or the round will end, uh, of the of the third like the last round, and the cameraman like zooms in on them and they know they won, and they're like trying to get some message out or whatever and literally none of it makes it to the broadcast because they're playing music and the commentators are like carpenter queen everybody what a show you know they're just like hyping them up and just like yeah shout out to bell and and it's all getting lost dude and like same thing here the 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 fucking mahashate is walking out of the cage rafa garcia just like turns his back to the camera and like tries to go whatever and and, and the cameraman's coming in like hey man we're trying to do an interview here I don't know. It just made me laugh, but uh, that fight was fucking awesome. Also, Said Nurmagomedov versus uh, so... fuck's sake, Said Jakub Kokramanov. Kokramanov was wrestling the fuck out of Said, and initially I was like, I mean, I do like to see a Nurmagomedov win. I mean, I do like to see a Nurmagomedov lose. That is something about me. If anyone has the last name Nurmagomedov, I definitely want them to lose. But um, the way he pulled that submission out of the out of the fucking thin air, basically after getting dominated in the grappling, was pretty phenomenal. Definitely got to give respect to that, especially how he kind of tried it earlier, and just I don't know the setup was really, really nice. Drinking my coffee it says Monday juice. On there, we need to mirror my video so that you can read these properly. Um, yeah, moving on. Oh, Jake Matthews versus Matt Semmelsberger. Sometimes fighters say things, and I'm like, okay, you're pretty much unaware of how that looked. But Matt Semmelsberger and Jake Matthews come to the cage both. For some reason, like they fucking planned it with like Viking braids on. 
they both had like somewhat of like Viking hair. And normally semi the Jedi is rocking a fucking weirdo mullet. And honestly, as a society, the fe- the fetishization we have with mullet has to go. And I'm not going to kink shame anybody, but sometimes a mullet is just fucking trashy. We have to we have to be honest. But yo, those Viking braids or whatever. And then in the post fight interview, Matt Semmelsberger's like, yeah, that's what I wanted. Just two Vikings going at it. And I'm like, yes, dude. For once, you're so right. Because I feel like fighters say that. Like, oh, we're two warriors, two gladiators, two Vikings. We're like, you didn't fight like that and you don't look like that. No, they fought like it and look like it. Jake Matthews was like, you you could make a case that fight could have been stopped at, at several points. Like, Jake Matthews is tough as hell. You know? Both of them. And it was like so clear, like so clearly Assemblesburger went. I feel like there was a couple moments where like Jake Matthews seemed to be coming back and like, you know, he had Assemblesburger in some tough spots, but like nothing to the point of like, like there were times when he's been on Jake Matthews where I was like, uh, they could, they could maybe stop this. Um, like it was kind of a gray area, like not, not to where I, not, like not egregious where I'm saying it's a bad stoppage or, you know, lack thereof, but wow. Great fight though. Great fight though. I think they won fight of the night. If I'm wrong, oh no, it was Drew Dober and Bobby Green. That's right. They did the the fight pick league, which I will do after the fight recap. I will I'll announce the fight pick league champion because we got a new champion. Uh, Corey McKenna versus Cheyenne Blissmus. This was an okay fight. Like I'll be honest. Um, good on Corey McKenna for getting the win. Always had to see Cheyenne uh, Blissmus win because she's so hot and and hilarious. Like when she uh, got really emotional about getting that fight, uh, that 50k bonus one time, I was like, "Hell yeah, dude! That's that's fucking amazing." But uh, Core McKenna doing McKenna like things, so weird on on the CME live chat. I want to say this guy from Wales, whose last name is Vlismus, was like shout out to the fellow Welsh fighter. McKenna for beating a fellow Blissmas or whatever. It's like, what if the reverse had happened? Like, like Cheyenne Blissmas would have won, and he'd be like, "Oh, congrats to the fellow Blissmas for beating my country woman." Like, <laughs> what the fuck? But I loved it. Uh, Michal Oluksiechuk versus Cody Brundage. Michal Oluksiechuk makes me laugh because. I always remember him, and this is like so fucked up of me. Not so fucked up, but I always want to call him the Polish juice head because I literally remember his debut. I think it was his debut where he just like beat the fuck out of uh, Khalil Roundtree for a while and then popped for steroids, and I'm a massive Khalil fan, so I was like, fuck this juice head. <laughs> so I was going the Polish juice, but I I think he hasn't just in a while, which is like, I mean, probably evidenced by the fact that uh, he's goddamn fighting at eighty five now. He used to fight at two hundred five, so like that should tell you he's pro- he's probably living the clean life, uh, and knocked Cody Brundage the fuck out, dude. That was like damn. So you love to see it. We love to see good knockouts. And speaking of good knockouts, Drew Dober and Bobby Green, dude, wow. Like, Drew Dober, another one, like, very aware. Like, in the post-fight interviews, like, it's what I bring to every fight. 
a hell of a chin and a big left hand. I'm like, yeah, that's that's what you are. That's what you are. Um, and man, I I felt bad too because I I I thought for some reason Drew Dober was problematic, and I went through his Twitter, couldn't find a damn thing. Could not find a damn thing. And then I asked, like, this group chat I'm in, I'm like, hey, is Drew Dober problematic? And they're like, well, he's from Oklahoma. I'm like, okay, yeah, a lot of Oklahomans are racist, but that's not, like, universal. Do we know? Like, well, he looks like a Nazi. I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe, but, like, and then just there wasn't any proof. I was like, fuck, I feel bad. I, I like, told people he was problematic. But um, Drew Dober seems wholesome as fuck. I hope. I also hope he beats the dog shit out of Patty Pimblett. I know he called for the Jalen Turner fight. That's going to be crazy. Especially when he was like, oh, uh, he's 6'3", and I want that problem. Like, are you kidding me? He's going to fucking choke you out, dude. Jalen Turner, the tarantula? Holy fuck. Jalen Turner, one of my favorite prospects at 155 right now. Um, Especially because I always remember... Uh, his debut when he when Anthony Pettis was on the card and uh, Pettis used to bring him in to spar for certain people and Jalen turned to debut at 170 and Anthony Pettis was like can you still make 55 he's like yeah and, and Pettis goes stay your ass at 170 I'm like Pettis does not want the smoke he's trained with this guy and he knows so like that's how I knew Jalen Turner was going to be fucking amazing um, hopefully we get that fight Hopefully we get Drew Dober versus Jalen Turner. And if not, one of them should fight Patty Pimblett and just fucking wreck his whole shit. Just fucking wreck his whole shit to the point where he's like, I shouldn't fight anymore. I'm fucking losing to people in top fucking 15. But, you know, whatever. Well, moving on to another forced segue. <laughs> Dude, Bruce Leroy versus Julian Arosa. Man, I I I feel some type of way about this fight, dude. First of all, I've been a Bruce Leroy fan for a while. Um and I was telling a few people like I was a fan of him after I saw like a couple of his fights uh where he's just like throwing like crazy spinny kicks and bouncing around like just smiling the whole time and turns out he's a vegan and i was just like fucking wholesome as shit dude i love this guy and then i watched him on the ultimate fighter he was a fucking cunt on the ultimate fighter let's be honest he was not he was just like an asshole and i was like okay well he was a he was a kid he was like 21 or 22 or something um you know i'm like so i'm glad i i found him after that because i i'll forget about him being a fucking asshole and tough and then he goes on ariel hawani uh sh show this week and it's just a fucking weirdo about a lot of things and he's just like oh yeah people assume i'm super woke and progressive uh but i'm not an activist i don't believe in these movements and the way he was talking about like stuff like black lives matter and like oh it's separatist you you can't you know everyone should just come together like, how the fuck do you think people are going to come together without a movement like that, you simple fuck? I was like, oh, man, dude. Because I've said for a while, Julian Arosa is my nemesis. Stole my nickname, Juicy J, first of all. No, people call me Juicy J. 
and my actual last initial is J. Your first initial is J. It doesn't work. Julian just J. Russell. No, it doesn't work. But I've been liking his fights in the UFC, dude. I have. And I, I've been it, like slowly warming up to him. But every time he fights, I'm still like, it's my nemesis. I want him to. So when Caceres knocked him the fuck out, I was like, yeah, dude, fuck yeah. And then listen to that interview with Alex Caceres. Made me want to fucking rewind time and buy a ticket to Vegas and be like, watch out for the left high kick. <laughs> From one juicy to another. Who are you? <laughs> I don't know you. I'm from the future. That that happens all the time. Um, Amir Albazi versus uh, Alessandro Costa. Gotta be honest that um, that KO was that that was a clean stoppage. I don't remember much about the fight otherwise, but I do remember the post fight interview not knowing how to feel about this guy because he was talking about, he was like, shout out to, he was like shouting out the Middle East. And like, I never know who's, who's good and who's bad. You know, I gotta be honest with you with what's going on in the world. I thought he was saying something about Qatar or whatever. Or maybe just saying how like Morocco represented them in the world stage. It was, it was hard to be like, I'm, I'm reserving my judgment. Let's just say that I'm reserving my judgment on Amir Al-Bazi, whether or not his politics are problematic or not. But Armand Sarukian, dude, fucking put it on Demir Ismagulov. This kid is good. This Armand Sarukian is fucking good. He should have won against Mataush Gamrat, and he's gonna continue to win. The guy is the guy is talented. He gave Islam a really tough fight. I really want to see Armand versus Islam too for the title. I really do. I'm not saying that's the fight to make right now, especially with Volk, you know, waiting in the wings. When I say waiting in the wings, that fight's already booked. They're gonna they're gonna fight. And shamelessly, I'm picking Volk. I'm just telling you guys right now, like, you know, I get people want to pick Islam, but Volk is so damn good and he's not problematic. Islam tweeted that women should not be fighting. Fuck him. Fuck Islam Makhachev and anyone who looks like him. Just kidding. That's problematic for me to say. It's just like one of those. I feel like it's a George Carlinism. It's like, fuck him and anyone that looks like him. Just something you say. Uh, main event, we all saw it. Super uh, nothing to write home about. Super uneventful is what I'm going to say. Um, Sean Strickland can't complain about losing a decision like that when he fights the way he does. Like you can't, you can't just throw a few jabs and circle and and kind of pick apart from the outside and be like, I should have won that. Fuck you. Like the fact that they rated Jared Cannonier's power higher, great, love that, super happy for him. Like hell yeah. You know, even though Jared Cannonier is another fucking weirdo too. Then he gets on the mic and says, like, oh, yeah, if they wanted a title shot, maybe, but looks like you maybe get into the easy rematch. And you're just, like, super aware about, like, the state of the division, which kind of made me go, hmm, okay, 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 Cannoneer. But now that uh, Paulo Costa and Robert Whitaker is not happening, 
What do you do? Watch them fucking make Cannoneer fight Drickus Duplessis. Although, I gotta say, motherfucking colonizing ass Drickus Duplessis was on Air Hawani show talking about, I would love to fight the winner of Strickland versus Cannoneer if it's Strickland. And he was like, why not just say you want the winner regardless? He was like, yeah, if Strickland wins that fight, I would fight it. I'm like, no, no, what do you mean? Fight the winner. He was like, yeah, Cannoneer would make a good fight. But Sean Strickland Moore's well, our styles would match up. I'm like, what what style? He's a fucking jab machine point fighter. Like, what do you mean or is his style? He's not going in there knocking anyone's head off. The fuck are you talking about, Drickus Duplessis? You just don't want that smoke against Cannoneer. Fucking racist ass colonizer. Anyway, fuck Drickus Duplessis. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's it for the fight recap, but I, uh, again, wanted to, well, I shouldn't say again, but I teased it earlier. want to recap the uh, fight pick league finale. We had a close, um, we had some, we had a close race and then David S kind of pulled in the lead last couple of weeks, several weeks, and has been holding that lead. Uh, ultimately, we came up with David S being Number one place, 16, 10, 1,610 points. Dave L, 1,515. Decrons, 1,490. Sandy Pants, 1,425. And David Everett, 1,320. There's your top five. Sandy Pants being the only one in there whose name doesn't start with Dave. The D in Decrons does not stand for Dave. Uh, so someone congratulating Sandy Pants on being the best player not named Dave, but that is not entirely accurate because of Decrons. <laughs> but she's the she's the best player with name doesn't start with a D, so we got to give love to Sandy Pants. Um, yeah. So congratulations to David. Dave L is going to ship that belt off. He's going to package it up, and uh, yeah, sad sad that it is uh, changing hands in the sense that. Um, when uh when Dave Kell got the belt, he told us some pretty awesome things that he did with it, and I was like, hell yeah, dude! Uh, <laughs> uh but now I wanted to see what uh, David is gonna do with the belt. So we love that. It's it's good to to circulate it, and and David is gonna defend his belt next year. So if anyone's listening that's not in the in the Patreon Fight Pick League, you can for one dollar a month, just one dollar a month, which breaks down to uh, just a few cents per day, like three cents a day, you can join the Fight Pick League, and you make your picks every week, and uh, you get points for guessing right. You get bonus points for picking the fight of the night correctly. Like Sandy Pants actually won this last week; she got one hundred and fifteen points, and the additional fifteen. For 130, I was like, yeah, it's queen. Um, but yeah, uh, we love that. We love to see it. So yeah, if you want to join the Fight Pick League and uh, make a, make a run for that belt, the I like to break up the seasons by uh, International Fight Week, assuming they do it in July, uh, so that we kind of have like the first half of the year and second half of the year. So the, the next season, season four of the Fight Pick League, will start on the first card of the year. That um, Imavov Gastelum card, I think it is. And then we're going to go until International Fight Week, and that's going to be sort of like the finale. And um, some craziness will ensue. So, go over to the Patreon. We also have um, different tiers for different ways to support us. 
you get up to five dollars a month and you can fucking watch my bum ass record this like i said i do look like a hot bum right now i gotta i can't lie i look like a hot bum like you might see me on the street and think does this guy have a home does it matter still want the d and i'll give it to you doesn't matter i will all right on that note and i'm sure every one of you is uncomfortable we're gonna pause and then gonna get into the forum I guess we're back. I was about to record, but I think I accidentally hit it. I don't know what the fuck. I'll have to watch this back. Make sure I didn't record my in-break activities. It's mostly just me queuing up the form questions on my phone. On that note, because we haven't recorded in a while and because Leo and Dave had a short time limit and couldn't really access the form... Uh, we have a lot of uh, questions in the in the tank. It's like some some of them are no longer relevant, and uh, it's just kind of like, you know, I, I I just I like I listened to like some of them, and I was like, I don't know if I should play that right now, and it kind of irrelevant. But we have a lot of other ones queued up from stuff that is is just a little bit past but we haven't talked about it really and i want to like use as an opportunity mostly the stuff that uh t cross sent and um he sent me this first one now he said to play this one first and it says don't do not watch till you record to be honest i haven't previewed any of them but i specifically didn't preview this one per his instructions and we're just gonna I'm just going to play it. You're going to see it on the Patreon. Patrons are going to see it on the Patreon video podcast. So here we go. What's up, guys? It's your boy, T-Cross. Sending in this video does not bring me great pleasure. Because I am informing you guys that I, I can no longer support the show. Um, a few weeks ago, I went on a night out with my girl and her daughter to support a friend who's always supported me. And I watched this friend pick up a child by her pigtails, swing her in a circle, and then throw her. It was painful for me to watch. Um, my grandmother was actually beaten to death by somebody who yanked her pigtails and slammed her against the ground. It was very triggering. And I can no longer support this friend. And this friend is one of the hosts of this show. Um, it's been a fun ride. But I can't do it anymore. On the real. 
few weeks ago, I went to go watch Juice perform in Matilda. And Juice, you were fucking phenomenal. The show was excellent. And anyone that did not go see Juice perform in Matilda, you missed a wonderful show, a wonderful performance. And uh, I'm insanely proud of you. I'm looking forward to the next one. And congrats to Leo on the new job. That sounds fucking awesome. Uh, love you both. And uh, wishing you guys all the love, happiness, and success in the world. Peace. Oh, kind of made me cry. That was that was beautiful. That was really amazing. Really had me going for real. That was a commitment on the on the acting on your part, uh, T Cross. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if we fully talked about it on the show. I think I mentioned that he was coming, but um, I was he's what he's referring to is the bit where in the if you remember from the movie, Trunchbull swings the girl by her pigtails. Um, we did that. Uh, they made a dummy that looked. I mean. You could tell it was a dummy, but like they got the hair color and like general size of this girl, right? They put the uniform that they all wore, like, you know, school uniforms. And so, like, they're on this doll, this dummy, <laughs> the pigtails, and threw her off stage. And as I did it, so like the way we did it is I, I like intimidated this girl so that she backed up and kind of disappeared behind the curtain and then ran up the. The way the theater works is like it's kind of in the basement of this church. So she had to go upstairs to the church, down the aisle to this door in the back, circle on these back stairs to come out this other side in the audience. And so literally like I slow motion like did the the swinging of the, 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 the dummy like a few times and then they like pretended to like follow it through like going through the audience it was so uh, funny this bit that we did and i was really happy that t-cross came uh because i like well I, I always take pride in a lot of the roles that i do but this one was one that like you know trunchbull is the kind of role that is memorable and like i have i had two songs and like the other leads had like more usually. Well, like Matilda has a lot more, and the through the set the story is really about Matilda and Miss Honey, and Trunchbull just kind of like the villain, just kind of like you know interjecting. But people fucking remember that, and and like like I had the most feedback from strangers that I've ever gotten in this show, like in, in a good way because when you when you do theater, you do community theater, like your friends are kind of obligated to come uh especially like other friends that do theater and they're like oh my god great job and you're like yeah yeah yeah. people were like you were amazing and they kept coming up to me and i was just like thank you so much and i was especially happy that tom came because he came to, to see me in shrek and it was just like this kind of i played a few small roles it was kind of like whatever and he left not knowing that like at the end of performances like the uh, the actors come out and like want to greet everybody it's not like I'm angry. Like that's a different thing because it's like in character and it's weird and I don't like doing it. But like when you, when you get out of your costume and you're like back in your clothes, you want to see people that came to see you. And uh, I text him when he came to see Shrek. I was like, Hey, man, where are you? He was like, Oh, I left. I didn't know he was supposed to stay. 
So I was like, you fucking stick around this time. And he was like texting me an intermission. Like, dude, you're killing it. Like, it was just, it was just so awesome to have him, him and his girl there and her daughter. Uh, really, really lovely stuff. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you for that. Um, and now we're segueing into this one that says, I agreed with Brendan Schaub and I will never forgive myself. So that's, yeah, that's where we're at. Let's play that one. What's up, guys? Pete Cross again. Um, so this is going to pain me to say, but I watched a video the other day of Brendan Schaub. I know, bad. I don't forgive myself for, for watching it. And what's even more unforgivable is I agreed with what he said. Here's what he said, and I want your, your guys' opinion. Brendan Schaub said that he thinks that fighters who get injured should be allowed to take whatever they need to heal that injury. And this came in response to, you know, the allegations that Conor McGregor's on steroids. Um, now, if he is or isn't, I have no idea. But if he took them as a way to heal from his leg breaking, in that instance, I'm fully okay with it. Um, do what you need to do to heal your injury. You know, steroids aren't an illegal substance. Um but yeah, I agreed with something Brendan Schaub said. What do you guys think? You know, I think about this often too. Like, so like I purposely avoid um, Brendan Schaub content. And like, I would imagine that Tom probably saw this like scrolling Instagram because sometimes those things just like pop up. Um, and so like that makes sense. But well, the, the Brendan Schaub stuff I watch is usually. Well, if a bunch of people retweet it or whatever, but like usually it's from Bohashinia Depot, where it's just like 10 seconds of him royally screwing up somebody's name or something and just getting dunked on by Bohashinia Depot. Um, but what was it what I was gonna say is pre like I'll say in the early days of Fighter and the Kid, Brendan Schaub ha- had a few good points to say. And like up until like like when he first started doing below the belt and then it immediately, like when he got like these showtime and things like that and other things, he became just fucking terrible, like really bad. And it seemed like he was just like in the business of just, just saying whatever to get like generate like interest. And like, he doesn't even believe half the shit he says. And like, it's just, he's so far removed to like, like one of the things that made him like a valuable uh voice in MMA was that like he was a fighter and like was an athlete like he played I think he was like sixth string on the NFL or something like that like he definitely was like on the bench in the NFL for a season or preseason or whatever the fuck I don't know um but yeah he was like he was on the Ultimate Fighter season 10 like Brendan Schaub had some credentials early on and so when he was like just starting his podcast he had something to say that were valuable and now like It's unfair to say like CTE is catching up with him because I, I feel like we throw that around too often. Like it is a serious, I want to say illness or condition or or whatever, and it can only be diagnosed properly, like for real, for sure diagnosed post-mortem. So 
like yeah there are signs and like you can say but it's also i don't know i don't like i don't like throwing it around you know like ryan and i have had this talk like if if you have been in the fight game you can make those jokes about yourself or whatever like self-deprecating but like people shouldn't be using it anyway i got off 10 to cte short answer of what you said about fighters should be able to take whatever they want yes long answer well i guess ultimately it's basically yeah i i definitely agree what i will say is that like i I, i've thought about this a lot too because um like chael sun has made this point before where he's like you know a, a lot of people hear steroids and they think illegal most of them are legal in terms of like the law i guess there are a few i mean i don't know that are like banned you know in the in, at least in certain countries like in the us or like certain ones that you can't get that like are considered legal and like they're like drugs but like steroids are just you know like doctors sometimes prescribe them and like i fully believe like having gone through like other surgeries and obviously i've talked about my cancer on this podcast before like if a doctor prescribes you something to heal you or or deal with symptoms of whatever like take it now i do feel like they sometimes are like too quick to like fucking prescribe opioids when they should be giving people like medical cannabis that's a whole nother fucking story dude Um, but yeah in terms of healing from like bad leg breaks and and other broken bones like take the fucking steroids like you should be excluded from competition for a while but it should be one of those things where like like USADA has granted therapeutic uses exemption before. What is what is more fitting of a therapeutic use exemption than someone going through physical therapy rehabbing their broken whatever? Like that's that's it. You should it should be time sensitive. It should it should be okay, six months after surgery, you can use this or whatever. However long the doctor says you should be taking this. That's how long and not a fucking day after. And, you know, when you're ready for competition, that stuff has to be out of your system. And, you know, a lot of fighters talk about the like long term benefits of steroids that you could like take it and like cycle off and still get some of those benefits. Like, yeah, maybe. But on the whole, I feel like we're too. I don't know. People get so sensitive over steroids in, in the UFC when I feel like they should just not, you know. Like, yeah, you want everyone to be on a legal playing field or an even playing field, a level playing field. But at the same time, I don't know. I feel like you saw our bunch of narcs. That's what I feel. That is what I feel. But yeah, about agreeing with Brendan Schaub, I would be like, I would be just like you, like, fuck. It's like that, that meme that's like, breaking news, the worst person you know just said something you agree with or whatever, said something valuable like fucking sean o'malley denying the invitation to go to to kadirov's son's birthday hey who knew that sean o'malley of all fucking people had better morals than half the ufc roster at least in that regard like that's fucking wild to me not enough people are talking about that and and it, maybe it's just to not give sean o'malley like airspace or whatever which is perfectly fine with me but hey if i want to talk about credit where credit is due you fucking better give sean o'malley the credit for for turning down an invitation to Khadira's birthday because every fucking buddy is like oh yeah imagine like oh you're intimidated by a dictator like fuck you dude give a fuck 
yeah, if you're if you're in that area, sure, you can you can use that as an excuse. I'm still gonna not forgive that, but that's fine. When you're an American, you have no excuse. Kamaru Usman, fucking Justin Gaethje, Henry Cejudo, going over the fuck those guys, fuck those guys, for real. All right, let me queue up this next one. This is just says James Krause question mark, and we haven't fully unpacked the James Krause situation yet. So I'm hoping this will give me like a springboard to do so. James Krause. James Krauss. James Krauss. That was it. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's vague enough for me to say whatever commentary I want on it. Here's the thing. James Krauss. I feel like the CME uh, podcast, co event, ben, ben Folks, Chad Dundas, they've said it the best. James Krause seemingly overnight went from a guy we knew as, as a somewhat successful fighter that was well-liked to being a damn good coach. And then seemingly overnight went to that fucking guy, the guy that ruined gambling for everybody. The guy that is likely going to go to prison for being involved in some, something like this. Now, it's pretty clear. Like they don't have, I guess, hard evidence, but it's pretty clear that something is wrong. And like the, the MMA hour I listened to a couple of weeks ago, did a pretty good job of like chronicling the timeline of events uh, that happened and like certain provinces in Canada banning betting on the UFC, not just Krause's fights. Like you cannot fucking, you cannot fucking bet on the UFC in, in Ontario right now. And Alberta followed and then once the UFC put out a statement saying James Cross is no longer with the UFC and anyone associated with him is not going to be there, they're like, okay, we like that. We're back in. Like, so quick. But uh, no, I think this is really bad. And and I, I look back on how naive I was. So someone asked us, and I guess what, what I was initially saying is like, I think people were maybe talking about a fight fix or something with that fight. Uh, or, or like how bad it was with him uh, having the gambling discord and people were talking about the betting line swing. And I was like, okay, sure. Right now that seems like hearsay. And without any evidence, I'm not going to condemn him. But as I listened back to that episode, I felt like I came across like I was like white knighting for him. And then like I had a good conversation in my DMs with uh, Jimmy the Drunk about it. And he was like, no, dude, this is really fucking serious. James Cross fuck, fucked up here. And I like wasn't ready to hear that. And I wasn't ready to like jump to that conclusion. But as I sit here now, in hindsight, I look really fucking stupid. So just had to say that, you know, you got to take your L's with the W's. Wow. This coffee is so good. If you guys... um. Are anywhere near a Trader Joe's, 
and you also have uh, use a Keurig like I do or any sort of like coffee maker with the little pods. I guess they have it in a bag form as well, but Trader Joe's pumpkin spice coffee. Now, here's the thing. People are going to say it's basic. People are going to say pumpkin. We're not talking about a pumpkin spice latte where they try and make it taste like pumpkin. This is literally coffee with the same spices used to make like pumpkin pie and things like that, where you have like nutmeg and clove and cinnamon. And it's just, it just fills you up with so many good feelings about this time of year and like cold weather. It it doesn't taste like pumpkin at all. It's just like a spice, just like holiday spice coffee, if you will. I'm fucking into it. I'm really into it. Nothing will replace my Vita cup coffee though. I've tried to get them to sponsor this podcast and they won't. But that's, you know, is what it is. Also, fuck Manscaped for honey dicking us and making us think that we're going to sponsor this podcast. Ooh, I'm still mad about it. I will not buy their product. And I would use it because your boy likes to keep the hedges trimmed. I'm s- always saying the quiet part out loud. Fucking oversharing. All right, hopefully we're going to end on a... Oh, wait, no, he said another one too. I forgot. So these are these are probably related. So this last one he sent called Patty Piglet. Honestly, why has no one else used that burn? That's a great burn. What's up, guys? It's your boy T-Cross. I'm here at work, and I'm listening to Ariel's show for Monday this week. And they're talking about how they need to be careful with how they book Patty Pimblett moving forward. And the UFC historically has protected their investments. Um they book their young upcoming stars very carefully. However, I think Patty Pimblett has reached a point where it doesn't matter if he loses. Now, hear me out here. When you reach a certain level of stardom, when in the UFC at least, not in boxing, if you reach a certain level of stardom, if you lose, you don't really lose that much, if you know what I'm saying. You lose on the scorecards or on your record, but you don't lose that much. But whoever beats the star now becomes a star. So you gain another star. For instance, when Conor McGregor lost to Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz was not a huge star. He just wasn't. He had his you know core fan base that loved the Diaz brothers, but he wasn't what Nate Diaz is today. Beating Conor McGregor made him that. Conor McGregor is still a huge star. So booking Patty Pimblett against, let's say, a Terrence McKinney, who's not that well-known, Terrence McKinney dog walks him. Patty Pimblett is still a big star, and now you've gained another star from Terrence McKinney. So personally, I don't think they need to be all that careful with who they book Patty Pimblett against. What do you guys think? I have some thoughts on this, so... I honestly feel like there's a lot of value in what you said, a lot of validity there. Um, I will counter and say that Connor was a way bigger star than Patty at the time, and Nate was already somewhat of a star. It was a it was a household name. He was on tough. There's a, a little bit of a difference there, but you're right in that you know you could use Patty to to build uh, someone else. However, I think they want to build him up higher first. You know, um, because like Connor in his first few fights in the UFC was running through motherfuckers. 
Patty is not exactly doing that. Like he's getting some finishes, mostly submissions, but it's not looking great doing them. He's getting fucking rocked and wobbled and, you know, sometimes getting his shit kicked in. And so, yeah, he has a loyal fan base. He has a hardcore fan base. And I think they want to exploit that. They want to bring him to like crowds and things like that. I do think he has a little bit more to go before that, before he reaches that point of like, no, it doesn't matter. Uh, like if they book him against Terrence, yeah, Terrence is going to fucking wreck his shit, dude. And that is going to be like bad in my opinion. <laughs> like, I mean, I would love to see it. Like, I don't care if fucking Patty succeeds. He's just kind of a piece of shit. I, <laughs> I don't think we talked about it. Have you guys seen this video where Patty is on? somebody's ring camera and he rings the door and they like, they're not there, but they answer from the ring. So he's like, they can see him. He he can't see them. And they're like, do you have some water? Me dogs just took a sloppy shit outside. I couldn't even clean it up with a poo bag. And the fucking woman is just like, is that Paddy the body? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's me. Have you got some water? She's like, no, I'll clean it up. It shows you how fucking, like, certain corner of the world, like, Liverpool people, Liverpoolian scousers, they fucking love Patty and Molly. They're like, he could have literally say, I'm sorry, I'm I'm too pissed. I've, I've just gone and wet myself outside your house. And they'd be like, that's okay. Drop your clothes off. I'll do your laundry. Like, that could have happened as well. Like, but <laughs> That was just kind of this, like, good video. It was like, oh, I feel bad. Because I got to be honest with you. I really fucking have a problem with people that let their dogs just shit everywhere and don't clean it up. Like if it's your own yard, do whatever you want. Have the whole fucking yard be covered in poo. If you're gonna, but if you're doing that in someone else's yard, that's a problem. That's a problem. So the fact that he was like, my my dogs just took a sloppy shit. So fucking gross, dude. Um, side little tangent. The same theater that did Matilda. Um, is uh, doing something rotten next. Now, if you're not into musical theater, like I would imagine most people listening to this podcast, Something Rotten is a musical that was written about... Um, it, it takes place in like Shakespeare's time, but it's like a comedy. It's, a, it's like not real Shakespeare. Like they're making fun of that time and they like they kind of make fun of Shakespeare too. Like they make him as like pompous asshole. And like, I really want to play Shakespeare. And in like the second act, um, he goes undercover. The whole plot of the show is that someone is writing a play that um, the idea for this play, they got by paying a soothsayer Nostradamus to look into the future and see what, what Shakespeare's greatest uh, work would be and they looked into the future and saw Hamlet but because he's like a second rate soothsayer or whatever they got some of the details wrong and they think it's called Omelette it's so fucking funny dude and ridiculous but anyway Shakespeare goes undercover to like learn about it and he dresses up as an actor called Toby Belch and uses this like northern English like kind of Yorkshire accent he's like hello I'm Toby Belch I thought this was a good idea and like 
if I get to play that role, I might just try and do like Scouse. Like, I thought you were gonna fucking figure it out. No, whatever. I don't know. It's 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 funny. It's funny. It's actually it feels like it's supposed to be like the Beatles, which are who are from Liverpool, but they have like a different. They like I don't know. Maybe the dialect was different in the sixties. I don't know. Anyway, dude, last one from T Cross here. This one, Jared Gordon couldn't have worked out better. Let's see what that means. What's going on, Juicy Baby? Uh, miss you, Leo. Uh, Juice just texted me that he is recording today. I wanted to send in another question. Even though it's been several weeks since he's recorded, there's going to be a bunch. But here's my question. And I hope the audio is okay because I'm sitting in my work truck and it's loud as shit. Um... We all were discussing the Patty Pimblett Jared Gordon decision. However, do you think that that was the best thing that could have happened to Jared Gordon was to get fucked over? Because I've seen Jared Gordon on a thousand different podcasts since then. Now, if he would have gotten the decision, I don't think that would have happened. And I think what would have happened is Patty Pimblett would have been going on all the podcasts to try to find out what it feels like to have his first loss in the UFC and Jared Gordon. I'm sure he would have got some, but I think Jared Gordon's stock rose because he got fucked over. What do you think? Okay, that's an interesting take. I'm not sure I agree with it, but I definitely see where you're coming from. It's it's one of those things where we're kind of never know, but I I think what you said definitely holds some weight. And yeah, Jared Gordon has been all over. For me, I've known about Jared Gordon and his story for a long time because Sean O'Shaughnessy wrote this like incredible piece on him. And he went on Ariel's show talking about how, like, when he was, you know, a teenager, he was sexually assaulted and he got into drugs and he's overdosed a few times. Like, he he said this one time, he was like, yeah, they call Matt Brown the immortal because he OD'd twice and came back and I OD'd three times. <laughs> wow. Way to fucking make it a competition, huh? Um, but yeah, uh, Jared Gordon is uh, an interesting character. I kind of agree with you, although, like, generally speaking, it's better to win than to lose. So there's that. Uh, but I think you're right in a sense. Although now playing those two messages back to back makes me kind of one, like, feel like there's some conflicting logic. Because you did kind of say that, like, whoever beats Patty will then become a star and, like, whatever. And now it's like, well, well if Jared Gordon had won, then Patty would have gone to all the podcasts to talk about his first loss. It kind of seems a little bit counterintuitive, but I definitely feel like what you said holds weight, especially the the latter um, about Jared Gordon. So I guess I'm going to agree, but uh, I got to feel like he would have liked to win that. Here, here's what I'll, I'll say about Jared Gordon getting fucked. And this is like a true testament to like how the UFC does whatever the fuck they want. Jared Gordon should have got that decision. No question about it. It's like, very clear robbery. You got people that are like, I never used that word. And I would say this is a robbery. Like that's kind of how, you know, Alex Morono fought Santiago Ponzinibbio and got knocked the fuck out. And Dana White's like, I'm going to give him his win money too. Hey, you got Jared Gordon getting screwed over here. Should screw it out of a win bonus. You should fucking throw him some money too. Throw him a few shekels. You stingy fuck. Going back to Brendan Schaub having some good takes where they're like, I think about this sometimes. The best 
take that Brendan Shop ever had was calling Dana White Scrooge McDuck. Like saying he's fucking like swimming in the gold coins or whatever. Like that's funny and accurate. Fucking A. Um I guess that's it for the uh voice questions from what's it called from uh T Cross. Wow. It's because I already switched screens on my phone to look at the voicemails. I want to now play for you guys the fucking voicemails that we got. We got some amazing voicemails. Um, and here's the one from Milliken. Put such a smile on my face when he sent that a few days ago. Sent it on Sunday, and I'll tell you guys something crazy. The timing was hilarious, so I will just I will be like kind of vague here to help protect some people's anonymity. But I was uh, talking to this person who is from a certain state, and Milliken called in with an area code that matches that state. And called like twice in a row. And I was like, oh, what's going on, dude? Am I getting a fucking call from somebody's boyfriend uh, trying to yell at me or whatever? And it was it was Milliken leaving the fucking most wholesome voicemail of all time. Thank you for not being crazy, Milliken. <laughs> Even though that's totally on me and my own fucking paranoia. All right. Thank you again for that, Milliken. That was that was incredible. And yeah, best wishes to you and, and everyone uh, in your life. Hope you're doing well. And now we'll play from the fucking punk curmudgeon. Why, hello, Julio. It's punk curmudgeon or the enemy cafe. Or maybe this message is just produced. Or maybe for whatever rando in Jersey is decided to fill in on the podcast. I don't even really know anymore. But I'm just going to keep calling in and leaving messages. Listen, 
first off, I'd like to give a shout out to Jared Cannonier for finally not fucking up one of my bets. Because I have both bet against him and bet on him. They have fucked me every single time. Uh, and I stand by my previous statement that Jared Cannonier should be cut because he sucks. But he did win a lame ass fight against. John Strickland, and I had a bet on that. Actually, it was a parlay, and I lost that parlay because of Dave Matthews, but it wasn't Jared Kennedy's fault this time. So, hey, cheers to that. Um, I'd also like to give a shout-out to Dave Shields, one of the world's biggest Magatard COVIDians, who managed to commit assault uh, against someone. I don't even really care about that part. It's just funny that he managed to commit assault, post it to the Internet, and still was a lay and pray bitch whose fight put me to sleep. I mean, I guess if nothing else, you've got to give it to the guy. He's fucking on brand. I'm out. SMP for life. Yeah, dude, that was one of the most wild things to see. <laughs> like, one of fucking. One of fucking Jake Shields' tweets ended up on this account. I think it's called Bad Legal Takes or something. And he was like, he's like, he called me a Nazi. I, when I do business with Jewish people all the time, so this is factually inaccurate and, and legally considered slander or something like that. <laughs> like, all it has to be is a screenshot of that. Be, have it being attached to the account. Bad Legal Takes for you to know is a fucking idiot. But uh, shout out to, shout out to Punk Curmudgeon. Thanking Jerry Kennedy for not ruining his bad and saying actually the busted in because it was a parlay, but it wasn't his fault. Like, Rick, goddamn ridiculous, dude. Take my last swig of coffee here. And my mug that is entirely too big. And I believe we have one more, uh, one more uh, voicemail from Rhino. And I'll say this. So, the main person who calls in the voicemails at MMA Kaffir slash Bunker Mungeon. And in the past, I have read the transcript of that Google Voice gives, at least like parts of it. <laughs> and people have found it pretty funny. Rhino sent in the voicemail, and the first sentence had me laughing so hard at what Google Voice thought of it. Like couldn't couldn't be further from what it what it actually is. Like you could see how they thought that, but it couldn't. I showed him that he was like, "Don't you dare fucking read that!" <laughs> so I'm not going to, but I'm letting you know that it's hilarious enough and bad enough that it sh it should be people should know about it. Anyway, here's Rhino. Hey, Juicy Food Baby, it's the Big Homie Rhino from the Combat Sports with Rhino podcast. No question this week, you know what I'm saying? I just really wanted to wish you and all the listeners from the Friendly Sparring Pod which is so awesome, of the happiest of holidays. If you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. Um, if you don't, I hope you have a wonderful time. I hope you get a little time off of work. I just want to let you guys know that the, uh, the Juicy Fruit Baby and I have been friends for, we're going on four years now, which is crazy. It doesn't seem like it's that long. But yeah, truly, for everybody over here at CSWR, to our good homies over at Friendly Sparring Pod, uh, nothing but love and happy holidays to everybody. Peace. Yeah, dude, Ryan texted me that today. Uh, about how long it's been. I was like, wow, it really has been. It's like three and a half years at this point. Like, wild. I mean, you think like, if I had kept with FWM and stuck with it, 
even even including the rebound with Leo, I'm just saying like there was a time when I took a break and I did the theater show and like whatever. If I had stuck with it, I would be coming up on, you know, in, in just about four months' time, a little bit maybe a little bit less. Um, yeah, like three three to three and a half months because my first episode I think was April Fools. So you're talking about just like the three months in between. I'd be on a four year anniversary of my show, dude. It's wild, absolutely wild. And uh, thank you for those kind wishes, Rhino. Rhino actually sent in another question. And I was like, hey, man, I can't read this. It's it's not accurate and it's triggering. Um, so he sent that lovely, that lovely uh, Merry Christmas message. So we definitely appreciate that. We appreciate Rhino here at uh, Friendly Sparring, which, like I said, is just me right now. Although I'm probably, I've said this before. I said I'm on the hunt for a co-host. And I said that because I wanted, I wanted some female flavor. I wanted, I wanted to get some women on the podcast, and uh, none, none, no one reached out. And so it's probably just going to be T Cross, who's really the only choice I wanted anyway. It's him and I vibe really well, and he's close by. So if we wanted to do any sort of like in person stuff, we could. But um, I might also just do a bunch of solo episodes too because I kind of like doing the solo episodes. They're very therapeutic for me. Not gonna lie. And I and I have to be like honest with myself in that when I am doing a a, a two person podcast, sometimes I'll I'll see a text on my phone and be like, oh, what's going on that? And like my AD brain goes crazy. Whereas when I'm solo, I'm like more zeroed in. And I don't know why that is. I should work on that, but I'm not going to because I'm a flawed human. And so that essentially wraps up the uh let me just kind of check my notes here. That essentially wraps up the um voice questions, but I did get a question from Shane Tara on IG that I want to read. And I have in my notes here. I, I feel bad. I'm sorry, Shane Tara, because he did send some voice questions. Actually, the first one was a month ago. It was November 23rd. This is December 23rd. And I read it and I was like, I don't know that I have time for that. It was like, what, what, what was your favorite fight from every month? And um, maybe I'll get to that in a future episode when I kind of look back on the whole year. But I, I just need to get this one out. I, I got to be honest, like I didn't have time. And he asked another question about the PFL, and I didn't feel like equipped to answer that question. But he, he asked this, which I think is very interesting and something that I would like to talk about. He says, hey, question for the pod, if you can remember, how come no one has ever gotten in trouble, gotten in trouble for grabbing the fence during ground and pound stoppage? Without a doubt, they're using it for an unfair advantage to obtain a finish. Now, I understand the ref is watching the fighter being punished and checking their safety. That's priority. But in hindsight, how do all the refs not realize this is happening? Uh, that's so that there, there's a few things to unpack here for me personally because uh, a couple of days ago, Dave Fretz uh, retweeted this thing. Um, from someone that was like, you know, controversial MMA text. He was like, I want to hear you guys and like tagged a bunch of us. And the first thing I put, dude, I was like, fence grab should be legal. I really believe fence grab should be legal. Now, that doesn't mean – I've talked about this in the past. I'm a stickler for the rules, generally speaking. So although it is a rule I disagree with, it is a rule that if you do it, you know, because it's against the rules, I, I consider you a cheater. Like you're breaking the rules. However, if we honestly sit and take stock of like what is happening – 
if people shouldn't be allowed to grab the fence, don't fucking make it grabbable. That's, I mean, figure out some sort of other way to get an enclosed space that still has eye lines other than a fucking fence that people can grab. Like if you don't want it to be grabbed because, Hey man, use what you got. Like people are allowed to jump off the fence. Like we can do the showtime kick, you know, people, have, you know, uh, Jose Aldo, I think one time kind of vaulted off of it to do like a Superman punch, totally legal. And yet I feel like fence grabbing should be legal as well. I don't know. But again, if people do it, I'm like, you're a fucking cheater. Like, you know, it's against the rules, especially like people fucking do it. The ref will like slap their hand away and they'll just like put it right back. They don't give a fuck. A lot of refs are pussy and they don't take points away. Um, but going back to what he said, I I really think it is them focusing on the fighter taking the ground and pound stoppage. Like literally like depending on how bad it is, they have to shift their focus in such a way that the fighter delivering the damage to give the ground and pound probably isn't in their eye line, if we're being honest, like the part that would be grabbing the fence anyway. And I, I have to also say, I don't know that I've seen, uh, you have to give me specific examples. I can go back and rewatch. I don't know that I've seen someone doing a ground and pound where they were grabbing the fence. And I also don't necessarily see that how that would be helpful. I could see how someone receiving the punishment could use the fence to get back up by grabbing it and, that could be problematic in terms of you know being illegal, but again, I want to legalize fence grabs, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you, Shintero. Shintero is a great uh, guy to talk to while we'll watch fights. Love hearing from him every week. So keep keep it up. And his, I always feel bad because I'm almost never watching live. But like, you watching live right now? And I'm like, no. <laughs> but we always talk about him after. And uh, I have another message to read out of. This is like not um, a question, really. It's just something that's in the forum. And uh, Zim sent this uh, from the Patreon. You guys have heard me talk about Zim a few times. You know, one of the earliest uh, supporters that Andrew and I had for Mixed Martial Opinions, my first foray into podcasting, and um, has just kind of followed me and, and just been a great supporter. Uh, been great in the Fight Pick League, too. Like, kind of came in late and isn't consistent, but... First weekend, got 100 points. I was like, hell yeah, dude. What a fucking make a splash. Um, But here we go. He sent in this message. He said, you may have missed Alex Caceres. The KO by kick made for an exciting fight to watch. But there was something beautiful in the seams you and others may have missed. AC facilitated between unbridled joy and moderation, given his opponent was really bad off immediately post-KO. ESPN somehow left the feet open, missing a commercial on the break as he made it over to the ref for the official announcement. AC kept switching emotions from pure happiness to this muted, controlled space. It went on for a perceptibly long pause. Finally, he spoke again during open feed, but way before he was supposed to be, or, or maybe anyone even knew he was on air. Before anyone was supposed to hear, he only spoke two words. I'm here. His entire soul seemed to immediately find its peace. Something tells me you'll understand this, Juice. Or both you and Leo will get this and wonder, who the fuck let Zim15 join? Regardless, we are here, Juice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
I asked him for permission to read this on the forum, and he says, of course, I'll be honored. My only request is that you acknowledge AC, that you and the pod inspired it. Odd how life is a puzzle that requires all its pieces to make it whole, isn't it? Zim has a way with words. He's kind of a man of few words, but when he does, they're very powerful. Um, I can only assume that um, it was kind of piggybacking off the fact that uh, I tweeted that um, I really wanted to watch the fights live because, well, I have to say, ultimately, spending time with um, the people I spent with was sort of infinitely better than um, watching the fights just because I was around people I love. You know, we had a good time, but I still miss that community. And I knew that sort of watching the fights would, would give me a different kind of fulfillment. And I, I tweeted out that I was really depressed and that I wanted to watch the fights to help cure that depression. Um, <clears throat> but the party ended up kind of filling that void, but I, I, I think that kind of inspired what Zim was saying, you know, about Alex saying like, you know, we're here, uh, or Alex saying I'm here and Zim saying we're here. Um, and that it holds so true. And like, even as I'm recording this, I feel like I'm talking to a very small, loyal amount of listeners. Um, well, the, the amount of loyal listeners we have is, is a great number. I should like in general, it's kind of a small number, but we have like a, a, core group of loyal listeners like our patrons that we love very much and um i i knew that i needed to get this episode out to be able to kind of move on and uh that's what i'm gonna do looking at the calendar and the episode's not done by the way i'm just kind of like talking about it um i could see myself getting out one more episode um maybe after christmas um so yeah merry christmas listening to this um if you celebrate if not happy holidays in general and that's the thing like i i'm the kind of person that says happy holidays because unless it's on christmas day it doesn't feel right to say merry christmas like if you know you're not going to see someone before christmas you say merry christmas like that's great but i think happy holidays all encompassing and it's not like part of a war on christmas or anything like that that like right-wing people like to say it's like it's not like they're not taking christ out of christmas or whatever it's literally just like trying to be more inclusive a number one but for me it's like it's also just like it's just being about the whole spirit like i feel like happy holidays is more encompassing even if the only holiday you celebrate is christmas like myself so oh, fucking a happy holidays to everybody listening and i am going to pull up the forum see if we got any writing questions i don't know that we did I think there might be at least one, actually, now that I think about it. But let's pull it up right now. Here we go. Oh, no, there's one reply, but it's just Milliken saying um, he left the voicemail. So, yeah, we love that. And, wow, t- can we talk about Twitter adding the fucking views? My forum tweet? Oh wait, was it the uh where'd it go? Yeah. Five hundred and two views. Four likes. Love that. Love that. Okay. I am going to end it here before I start babbling, getting super emotional, but I want to thank everyone for listening and 
for always being kind of a support system in my life without even knowing it. And on that note, I'm going to shout out our lovely patrons. Here we go. APB, Sandy Pants, Alex from Jersey, T-Cross, Fee, Dave L, Jimmy the Drunk, Mixed the Man, Anonymous, David Everett, Wholesome MMA, Brian Pichet, Dave, a.k.a. Nobby Buckles, Supermanly Nick, David S., El Campeon, D. Kronz, Harry Andrew, Cakes, QAR, Dash, and Zim. What a lovely bunch of people. And on that note, I will simply sign off. Normally, Leo and I like to end the podcast sort of in the middle of something so you don't know it's coming. But you know 